And fuck it. Why do you need to work? Like, um, we have this mentality that we need to get things done in order to be worthy. But actually, if you listen to your body, and if the body speaks, it might be saying rest, rest, or just sit and watch. And if you have no concept about what you should be doing or what you need to do, and you just sit there, then maybe life becomes alive again. I mean, what is this life about? What's the point of all this work and all this struggle to get somewhere? And the problem with us as humans is we've mixed everything up. We get taught by by society that um, that life is about production. So life is about producing something and doing something. So that's what we get taught. Life is about producing. Life is about getting. And then through that, we try to find meaning. And we try to understand why we're alive. And so because we've only been taught a language and a mentality of production, we try to find meaning in producing and doing things. My friend, um, who um, a good friend of mine who I originally started talking about this with, he always used to say, I always used to think I was a human doer, but now I've come to realize that I'm a human being. Which is very sweet. A human being. So because we're taught language and we're taught by society, something wrong with the word society today. Um, because we've been taught by society that... Um, that we have to produce and we always have to do things, then that's what our meaning becomes. That's the way that we see life. It's all about production. So our meaning is about getting something from this, doing something. So normally we fill our day always with activity. And when we don't have activity, we feel agitated. We feel like we're doing something wrong. But this is simply a, a conditioning from a society that needs people to work in order to grow. But what's the point? Why do we have to keep growing? Don't you have enough already? Isn't this enough? And it's such a trick because, because when the person separates and when the person gets into this mentality of always seeking for things in the future then it begins to feel uncomfortable. So then when it stops producing and stops doing things, it feels uncomfortable. So it thinks that producing and getting must be the meaning. Hey, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. I got a stutter today because I'm being lazy. I get into the lazy mood. Got to sit up and speak better. But there is nothing to get. There is no ultimate goal. What are you going to do? Get more money? What's the point? You'll never feel secure. If you have a dime in your bank account or a million dollars, you'll never feel secure by that. You'll always feel insecure. You'll be paranoid if you have a million that people will be trying to rub it off, off you, that you need to get more. Maybe I should have two million, and then I will feel secure. Or maybe you think your meaning is producing more kids and having kids until you have them. But it's life. A child there or not, it's all the same life. Nothing has more meaning. 
We're always looking for stories of more meaning, giving to us something we can get. We're trying to find meaning in a world that doesn't really exist. It was invented, the human world and the human mentality, in order to produce and to survive better. So we can't ever find our meaning or our source there or our, our sense of completion there. Our thinking, our way of thinking is always about producing, getting, doing. So the source, what you're truly looking for, home, must be beyond that or must be something else but thinking. So what else is left? But we're so um, indoctrinated by the way that we think. That's what our whole world becomes. We really believe that we're sitting in a world, but we made up the word world. We think that we're sitting on planet Earth, but we made that word up. And we think that meaning is doing lots of things, traveling the world or having kids or having family or um, buying lots of things, helping charity. But all, all of that world exists in the convention of getting, of production line. That's what humans are breeding for to, in order to create more producers. And now we're creating this thing called robots so we don't need to produce so many humans. And we're all conned into it, especially the ones at the bottom of the chain or the ones towards the bottom. They're told their happiness is producing, their happiness is getting a mortgage, growing, having kids, doing all these things. So they do them all and that has no more meaning than anything else and it's not going to complete you but they work really hard and they think that they'll get there, and they spend their whole life trying to get there. A lot of people are coming to their senses now, though, and they begin to realise that production and getting and growing and growing and growing isn't it. So more alternative lives are le led, and this subject is explored a lot more. So what is the point of life? If it can't be found in something you do, in something you buy, in something you own, in a child, in a marriage, in a lover then what is the meaning? The question is, do I know it? And if I did know it, could I ever tell you guys? Because everything that we talk about is in a language that's based around production and producing. So all I can say really is it's that which doesn't move. It's that which never leaves. And on the other side, it's all things that appear in it. What is she talking about? <laughs> there is a home here that's so profound. And it's not really too much to do with the person, although it has huge... In fact, it's got nothing to do with the person. But it has huge effects on the person. Seeing that that person who you believed you were, the thoughts, the ideas, the communication, that person was appearing in this and wasn't actually a separate experiencer. When you believe that person is a separate experiencer, then you're always suffering to this world. You're always subject to this world. You're in relationship with this world and you're something that can be born and destroyed. And you see that that which is listening now isn't that person but that person is another experience like everything else, then there is a freedom that can be seen. 
and this energetic movement from being a contracted small energy to a boundlessness. And who you truly are, what you truly are, is remembered. Which has a, is something that we in this life, or what we associate love with, not romantic love, but love, unconditioned love. Romantic love tends to be conditioned. So if you're listening to me, sometimes I get the sense that a lot of people that listen to me are high, uh, produce lots of things or work a lot because I think that um, one thing when people look at me and like about me is that I look normal. So I look like a normal producing human. But I'm not. I just look that way because that's the way this body looks. And I dress normal, mostly normal. I like, I like to dress a little bit boyish, but mostly normal. Or what our society calls normal. Not really what normal is. Um, but I totally didn't buy into the system. And I totally rejected it. I could see the craziness of it, that working all my life in order to get bricks was just insane. In order to get security. And I just knew even prior to that beginning that freedom wasn't about what was peering. It was, it was the, it was, it wasn't connected. You know, I could have 200 pounds in my bank and feel rich. And I could have £5,000 in my bank and feel poor. It wasn't connected to that. I, I can't talk in line right now. Hmm, what are you in line for? But I would love to hear you talk about Donald Trump. Yeah, it must be really weird for you guys. I'm sure that must be rigged. I mean, how could he get in? I mean, who would vote for him? I'm sorry, there's most probably some voters out there that are listening that did vote for Donald Trump, but... How is that possible? And is it, is it because... Is it because that in America it really is a high level of... Non-education that he's got in, or is it that the American society is very anti-women? The other reason that I could think it would be because there's a lot of people that are fed up with the current system, so they want the current system to collapse. But. I'm not sure about that. Just in England, when people voted to leave um, Europe, I think it was more about an anger towards the government than it was about leaving Europe, although there was that as well. But there was an anger towards what the government was doing and like the working class and lower middle class and the lack of jobs and the bad pay. Like in England at the moment, if you're on... A working class wage. I mean, it barely pays um, 
your bills. You normally have to have two jobs. You just can't survive on minimum wage or low wage in the UK. Maybe it's a similar in America, so there's a lot of anger from um, working class people. And a lot of the big companies are also putting, uh, have done for years now, put their companies and their workforce in Asia so there's less jobs. So it either could be that, or it could be a mixture of three, few, that American society isn't ready for a woman yet. Although, I don't get the sense that it's so much about that. Um, or, um, uh, or, I mean, I was going to say people are not educated. I can't, I must be an anti, like feeling like they want to go against the grain because I just can't imagine why people would vote him in. Especially after what he said about women. Strange. I think it must be rigged. I think that's the answer. I mean, it's, it's quite a surprise. Not that Hillary was a great alternative, but yeah. I kind of found it funny this morning when I found out. Funny in the sense that it, it was, it's funny like the way that England did the same sort of thing, the same sort of politics, the same sort of using immigration. And I mean like a TV celebrity businessman being the president, it's like, it's like, I suppose you guys have done it before, like Arnold Schwarzenegger being the governor. I mean, Donald Trump, your president. It's, it's like, imagine in England if we voted for, like, I'm trying to think of an English star. I mean, Donald Trump, has anyone ever seen his TV program? How did that happen? And everyone says, oh, it's going to be World War Three. there's going to be big problems. I don't think there's going to be huge problems because it, it's not like the president can say, okay, let's just nuke Russia now or let's just nuke Europe or something. He has to go through Congress, I presume. They don't have that much power. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe to Trump, France will be part of Asia. Oh, not Asia, the Middle East. And France will go as well. Uh, Richard Black Dog says, Regan used to be a movie star. I didn't know that. It is ridiculous. This is, I'm reading some of them. Well, he got chosen as the representative of an old established political party first. It's like a movie. Hillary is looking weird when she smiles. I think just my impression. Rigged, somebody said. This woman will be the worst of all. I think they mean Hillary. New World Brit X. It was definitely the rage of the poor white people. Yeah. I think so, but I don't see how he's going to fix that because 
well, companies are allowed to take, um, I mean, I mean, he's a capitalist. I don't see how he's going to, he's not going to be working for the poor people. He's going to be working to enslave the poor people to make sure the poor people have less money and he has more. So I don't know how that works or where they think that's going to work for him. He's a Republican. Republicans are about keeping the rich rich. Sissy so says, yes, it's like the UK. People are fed up with the system and the Clintons are the system. It's a no to the current Washington elite. Lots of jobs outsourced too. The middle class and working class are hurting and it seems outsourced. Yeah. I I um I feel like a lot has dropped lately. I was spending a lot a lot of time alone and and also I was watching the more YouTube from you and it was very helpful. I mean I was kind of doing that for a while. Um uh, just being with the feelings, you know. Yeah. So what's what's very beautiful and I is that there is mainly this spaciousness uh, and and even if something is there, I I don't want to run away from it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So because I think I had. I mean, I know I had this idea, and I remember you told this in Vienna, that, uh, which helped me a lot when you said that we have this association about happiness, that it's some kind of high state energy yeah. and excitement. And But what I think what I want to say is that a lot of times I, I can see that this personal construct is just not real. Yeah. And then, but still with some thought, uh, it feels like there is some investment or stickiness or, yeah. I don't know how to say it, but, mm. We can explore it if you like, if you feel like you've got stickiness. I'm just checking to make sure people are saying your sound is okay, because last time I didn't check the messages and the sound wasn't <laughs> good. Um, we can explore the, the stickiness if you like. Do you feel any stickiness now or do you feel very spacious now? No, now, now it's okay. It's okay? It's like when I, when I watch, uh, you know, all these non-dual, like you or Rupert Spira or Muji, because it's not about, you know, philosophy and, and intellectual stuff. It's it's very easy. Like, um, the thoughts are dropping, and then it's silent mind. And a lot of times it's possible uh, alone, too, like, But, oh yeah, like the stickiness is some kind of a spiritual commentary that's going on, like as if I knew, or this voice knows, you know, what's happening. Yeah. 
Oh, and, and you know, I have this, the background with a course in there for us. Yeah. And that served me beautifully for a while, but actually I stopped with it already a year ago. And so, yeah, it's this commentary as if, as if, you know, I'm the one who knows what's going on. What, <laughs> <laughs> what is in the process of healing and and still, like, um, images are coming back from, you know, past. Yeah. And reinterpretation happening yes. into, oh, there was always this boundlessness, so there is a lot of... Uh, so um, when you're in um, relationships with people, um, or when... Um, when... Uh, you're speaking or at work or something or when you spend time with other people um what what is the issue like what what annoys you about other people yeah well lately it's yeah what i still noticed is like two days ago i had this um because like everything is dropped like or or you know, friends are around me into this kind of stuff too, so I don't really meet like <laughs> normal people, you know. But so it's this spiritual comparison going on. It's like I'm, it's like my mind is projecting out the beauty, and you know, like they are more into this, like, you know, they are more peaceful, more joyful. So it's it's like even though so so often like alone alone yes and and but when you're with other people you project that they're more peaceful or yes that that like they are ahead of me like that yeah so there is this still this not good enough so. so exploring that is this not good enough yeah which the story of sandy before yeah. and you know this what you were just talking about wanting to do more yeah and, and produce more so there is always this feeling of not uh, doing enough yeah to be worthy or and then now it's the same with spirituality, and then I even have, you know, the web page and doing translation. So this service ideas about like being more in service, and, yeah. and then intellectually, I know that it's like I am not helping anyone as a separate person. So. Is these two things that are colliding into this this seeking energy. Like what I see now is like this seeking energy wants to um, like go outside, but then there is the seeing what's happening and then it collapses. <laughs> so and it just keeps happening. It's just out back into myself and then oh I'm already it. So but it's like yeah it's yeah. So um so when you're with other people, can you think of things that you get annoyed with them about? Yeah, it's um that they 
they are not seeing me for who I am. And and even with some spiritual like friends who we share this path and it was so helpful for a long time but now I feel it you know there are these images like I have this image about them and when I'm with them I can feel that it's there about me but probably that's the projection so because the the story is there you know all the things that we've done together and the healing the healing that we we've done together and uh, and so you get annoyed with them projecting onto you? Yeah, it's some kind of uh, uh, confusion about... Like, yeah, I think I still don't trust my feelings about what's happening. Like, there is this confusion that... I can, yeah, I can see that they are perfect. Because when we are together, then, you know, I, I am in that space too. But then I have some feelings about, like, something is not, like, about energies. You know, that, like, there is still some stuff which is unhealed, maybe. And then, like I don't trust that that it's it's there. It's just kind of some kind of a dismissing it that oh it must be my projection. And and I also see that my mind is going in loops about this. Like it, it's um, trying to solve it, you know, on the mind level. And I can see that there is no solution on the mind level. And when when I when like when I'm, I don't know how to say it with these words. No, when I'm there, there is no question, no nothing, no thoughts, and and then I I can see that these are just problems that the mind is making up. Okay, so if you shut your eyes now and go down to your feelings in your body, mm-hmm. what sort of um, and and you just bring them in. So just imagine them. You've got to be really honest, but what sort of thoughts is it that come up about them? Like not, not, don't use your spiritual level, like the level that's taught you that they're perfect and they're beautiful. Go to the level deeper than that. Like what's underneath that? Like if you give yourself full permission to think anything you want about them. And the reason that I ask you this is so that I can get into it a little bit and see what the... Yeah, the first thought that came that they are judging me. And what's wrong if they judge you? Like, and just don't be spiritual, just be really honest. Just keep trying to jump, to, to jump deeper or to go deeper into that feeling when it will come up and say, there's nothing wrong with them judging you. There is an issue in you that doesn't like them judging you. It's like, um, there is a fear of losing them still. Maybe. And then, you know, if I'm not shining enough or I'm not there where they are, then I'm going to lose them. 
So it's like I have to maintain this image about myself. And it's so exhausting. What's wrong with losing them? What do they give to you? Some some kind of um, thing that I can still hold on to because everything is collapsing and falling away. <laughs> and then I'm angry at them that, and then myself too that I can see that it's. It's just this holding on to something. Yeah. And then, and then I go into, you know, <laughs> trying to push, push them away. Yeah. As if, you know, I'm holding them back or they hold me back and, and then life keeps bringing them back <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful that you can be so open. So just go into that feeling again. And what if you had no friends? What would that feel like? Feel like if you just ended up on a desert island without anybody? There was nobody. You had enough food, you could survive, but you just had no contact with human humans. Actually. What is even harder to admit, but I don't miss that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really like I'm, I'm here now with, at my parents' place now, something that I always try to avoid. And yeah, and I don't I don't miss that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it it's, it feels like some something is still holding holding on, but what feels like it's it's in my it's in my mind now. Yeah. Like concepts, you know, still concepts and. But just go so go back to your feelings a moment, and just try to imagine. Never seeing a human again, never speaking to a human, never seeing the internet, no human contact. What is it that you lose? What what is it? Maybe it's too hard to imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. So what often keeps us in these relationships and keeps us um, uh, in relationships where we're not um, exactly happy or where we feel this stuff coming up, it's not saying that you should break the relationship with them, but this is the, the, the thing that's underneath it is what create, creates problems for you and makes you go in circles about the circumstance is the, um, is the fear of being alone. It's actually really crazy that the fear of being alone is what screws up a lot of relationships. This mm -hmm. fear of being absolutely alone. And I don't mean alone as in like 
going home and watching TV or being in your home. I mean, I mean, like this this fear that we have of being a singular person in this world, in this universe. And that dynamic is what normally screws up our relationships because what it makes us do is it makes us sell ourselves short. It makes us give ourselves away to people. So we do things that we're not happy with or we behave in ways that we don't like because we don't want to be alone. And so we fear the rejection. We fear that stopping and being with this, with what is. And so therefore we constantly create a sense of self to project for others, to, to show to others. And if we project this sense of self and maintain this sense of self, then other people will love us and accept us. And we do this because we're afraid of not being in commun- communities or not being in, in relationship with other human beings. Even though sometimes we crave it, we're absolutely petrified of being alone really being alone we're petrified of this world we're in a relationship to so we want to hold on to other people and in doing that we we sell ourselves we give ourselves away we don't follow our heart we sell ourselves in order to to be someone for other people whether it be spiritual or whether it be a good producer or whether it be a mother or a father or whatever it role it is we're so scared of just being what we are in the moment because we fear if we allow that, if we, the separate self, isn't in control of ourselves, then nobody will love us or accept us. And that's, it's not the loving us or accepting us that's the big fear. The big fear is being rejected and being totally alone. We don't know what we'd do with ourselves, being in relationship with this world without others. If we have others, then we can kind of mask it. We can kind of do things and mask that fear of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And so this is often, so our mind circles in these surface stories about being in relationship with people and, um, and whether or not they're expressing themselves or you're expressing yourself or you're being true to yourself or they're being true to their self. And it gets stuck in these circles, not because of the actual act of the relationships between you two or the, the, the group of friends. It's because of a fear underneath of being alive, of being in relationship. Because as soon as you're in relationship with anything, you're suddenly something small that's in relationship with something big. And this isn't true. And then when you are that thing that's small, you've got to keep yourself contained. You've got to stay small. Because otherwise if you expand, you disappear. If you become yourself and you forget yourself, so you forget being that small person then you disappear into this eternity. And we're as separate people, we're afraid of this eternity. We're afraid of the never-ending, so we stay in the very small relative, in these small stories. But these small stories are like, um, are fueled by our existential fear, by our fear mm. of life. So when you're going round in those stories, and they might not be so present now, but when you are going round to them, just see if you can keep taking them back to the original fear. And every time it comes up, it's really not about your relationships. It's normally about that you've sold yourself short, and that's why you feel angry with them. 
Like yeah, you're, yeah, you're giving right. yourself to them and you're doing all these things to be loved by them and then you feel angry at them for having done that. Yeah, and, and you know, I because I can see that, like, in this sense, I already, like, took back this projection and I can see that this, this is this self-hatred. Yeah. Being small, playing small. Yeah. And... And you're not. You are the creator. You are that boundless freedom. Yeah. And then also that that I, because a lot of times now it's just this, like just things happening. But then it seems like when somehow the thoughts there are some thoughts that can pull me back into the little path. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, that's what seems to happen. It's that yeah. flip-flopping yeah. between the two. And then I can also see that it's just, that's what's happening then. Yeah. And, and, and then there is this, um, like, no way of being able to control this. I can see that. So if it must be grace, then it's just... Yeah. And, and so right now, what do you feel in your body? So just go into your torso and into your body area, and what do you feel? Yeah, in the stomach area, there is a little bit of moving energy, but it's nothing that bothers or that I would want to try to get out of it. But you, there is something that I noticed uh, lately, in the in the head error that that can come up some kind of this um, tension like in but just direct. go back to go back to what we were saying before because you missed something what happened in our conversation was that you've got to a place of sensitivity and then something in you closed to that sensitivity and you try to retell the story of some something else like you try to retell the story of, like, this doesn't always happen. So you went from opening and exposing yourself to then wanting to protect yourself. Did you feel that? Not fear, but... Like, that's what the, mi the mind... Like, yeah. this is how the mind, like, trying to defend this construct or yeah so you uh, opened up and this is most probably what you do you open up and therefore you felt vulnerable and you felt that smallness come and then when that smallness came you try to rebuild yourself and take a position again of something that you knew i could see it happening you went you opened and then i could see as i was speaking there was a sense of i know this and I'm sure that's exactly the games that you play with your friends is that you open, you feel vulnerable, and then you don't like that feeling small and vulnerable. So therefore, then you build something again, a defense with them again. So you go between playing the teacher and then the teach, the teacher and then the teached, the teacher and then the teach. And then they will do the same, I'm sure, with you as well. Sorry, I just couldn't help seeing it. <laughs> I had yeah. to jump on it while it was happening. I can see it in your face. I could see it in your body. Other people can't see you, but I could see it happen in your body, this opening and then... Mm. Mm. 
I mean, I like something needs a push. <laughs> Step over this. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I think this, especially if you watch it back, I think this will be really beautiful because you've been so willing to expose yourself in front of so many people. So this, like, when the person's exposed, it's always such a great thing. Yeah, yeah. but I feel like that's enough of us. I think that we've talked about everything. I don't think we need to talk any longer. Thank you for your openness and um, and um, and just keep going back to the feelings when you're with your friends. Like, don't cut off from it. It's really beautiful. The key is always whatever hurts is is showing you the way home because it's not true. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. Bye. Bye. Anyway, to non-duality, not accent. Non-duality, very serious. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I've been in the um, institution, I guess, for some years of, of spiritual stuff. Yeah. Um, Tony Parsons, the whole, the whole gambit. Um, and it makes me just want to ask silly questions, like, um, is it true that if I was to emulate your voice perfectly, then I would be living in the fourth dimension? <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, well then I'll work on that. Um, and is it true that? Uh, is it true that? Um, Jesus is behind the non-duality as well. <laughs> it's just a dumb question. <laughs> I've got serious questions too. I just, I just wanted to get this off my chest. <laughs> so how, how, how long have you um, been into like Tony Parsons and this type of non-duality? Um, I suppose about 10 years. Okay, quite a while. And you've seen Tony and you've been on retreats and stuff or you've yeah. just been listening on the internet? Yeah, I got very frustrated with it all, but yeah, I, I went to retreats. Um, I suppose, I mean, I'm an intellectual person. I'm, I'm sure you picked that up already. I, I, I come from, I'm thinking, I'm a thinky person. Uh, I get that feeling what I'm feeling in the moment is is um, in some way valuable, even though Tony Barsons would say that's not going to do anything because he doesn't give a recipe of any kind. No. Even when I, even when I asked him, can you give any advice to how to enjoy life better? He all he, all he gave was irre irreverent, stupid comments. He said, "We well, get a lover, then you'll need a therapist and a lawyer." <laughs> <laughs> That's all he said. But um, <laughs> and I got I, I really like his answer. You'd have the debated police after you because you give people a, a line. You know, you give them something to do. Yeah, yeah. Which is your choice, I guess. Which is what? Your choice. Well, so, not really. I can't help it. I'm a robot. It's your essence. It's your flavor. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't used to, um, but what seemed to happen over the years of speaking about it was, um, I really love, um, I really love like really hardcore non-duality or what, I don't know what to call it or really, um, like pure non-duality. But what I noticed after you, I think it's like been five or six years of teaching now is that You say this type of non-duality to people and then a lot of people wear that as a costume and then they go back into life. They forget about non-duality. They're like, well, there's nothing here for me, which there isn't, but they're taking it the wrong way. And they, they go, there's nothing here for me. So then they think they get into this mentality of everything 
is okay because it's all happening or something. Something along those thought processes. But that's really not it. That's you thinking non-duality. That's like, that's kind of like what Tony Parsons would say as in like, you've, you've come into the room and you've left with something. And, um, and I realized that there was a lot of denial also happening with that way of teaching, which isn't a bad thing. That's just what's happening. But mm-hmm. sometimes after quite a few years of speaking about it, there is, if you don't start pointing out feelings, people can't see the denial. Like, but not that it's important that that person does see the denial ultimately, but it's certainly going to improve that person's life if they understand the effects of being um, separate, like improve their life. I don't mean it's going to get them closer to non-duality, but it's going to improve things for them if they understand their mechanics rather than telling themselves the story it's a happening or it's all freedom. Um, kind of the the hearing um, non-duality in a way you could say is grace, even though everything is grace. It's kind of it happens when it happens. Often people, what tends to happen when people are waking up is they understand the mechanisms of the person. So the person in a way becomes more balanced or it understands itself better. So it's not acting out so many neurotic patterns. And there's also a hearing of non-duality, but sometimes there's just a hearing of non-duality and there's a waking up. And sometimes there's not even hearing of non-duality and there's a waking up. Sometimes it's all about facing your fears and people face their fears without even knowing it. Like they face and then there's a, there's a change that happens or there's a collapse of seeking that happens for some event in life and it's got nothing to do with having worked yourself out. But for a lot of people, there seems to be a listening to non-duality while simultaneously looking at their dynamics and looking at... Because the person's personal dynamics get screwed up because they believe they're somebody separate. And then after years and years of that, they get really bizarre dynamics going on to them they think it's normal because the rest of society is behaving like that but it's like there's so many um ways in which people behave that they never even question or the way that they think or see things that they never even question because they just think that's the norm when it's totally not the norm just the just the idea of producing it's such a bizarre idea, like the idea of always having to do something. And most people feel that, that they always have to do something. But yeah, I interrupted you. Um, it seems that without some good quality awareness in the mind-body mechanism, there isn't any hope, though. Because that's just complete lost, lostness. Yeah. If you're intoxicated or either through substance or through... Yeah. Just living in the world. Yeah. It seems like you have to have some clarity of perception somehow. Yeah. That does seem to go a lot away along with waking up, like the robot or the machine that's looking at the universe, um, isn't getting so caught up in its illusions. It stops getting so caught up in its Mm -hmm. illusions. And, um, and its own belief systems. And the best way I've found of pointing that out is to get people to feel their feelings. The problem with getting people to feel their feelings is that you imply that they're a separate doer, which they're totally not. But by people feeling their feelings, they can feel their bullshit. Because 
like when to say if you're telling a story about something and you feel your feelings you can suddenly feel that oh I'm just telling this to because I'm afraid now and this isn't actually the truth of the situation and I think that's a really beautiful thing not for necessarily waking up but just a beautiful thing for a human to have that awareness about itself like to have it so because otherwise people are just totally lost in their dream and their fears and their paranoias and they're just 100% acting them out when I used to, um, when I used to go and see Tony or listen to Tony or listen to more extreme non-duality, I always used to get a sense that a lot of people that were there, or some of the people that are there, had already balanced their person to an extent. So therefore, they could hear this message and it not depress them or then not take it personally. They could hear it for the beauty of the way he spoke, like the the energetic resonance that he has. But then I also realized that there were a lot of people there that were using it to totally deny their experience as well. And they'd got so fed up with looking at their dynamics or fed up with um, spirituality that they suddenly loved this rebellious um, attitude. And I'm not against that, but that tends to be where people get stuck with the more extreme non-duality. But when people are listening to Tony, when they've already they understand their behavior and they understand all that and they're listening to Tony just for the joy or to listening to that sort of non just for the joy, that's really beautiful because there's such joy in the way that Tony speaks There's and the, and the stuff that he says. If you take it personally and as a story, though, I don't think that's a good combination. If you take it on as your way of looking at life as a separate person, I don't think that's a very good combination. It can encourage depression and absolute denial of experience. But that's nothing to do with Tony. That's to do with the person doing exactly what Tony says. He doesn't say, don't leave the room with this. But he's like, if you leave the room with these concepts, then it's just you leaving the room with more concepts and totally missing the point. Uh, and I, I have friends who will, you know, when their partner is um, upset or they there's some conflict in some, any part of their life, really. They'll use it as a way of rationalizing. Oh, well, there's no one there anyway. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, like my partner doesn't actually exist, and so I, you know, and I couldn't have done it any other way. Yeah. And it's it's kind of true, but it doesn't seem to me like you're engaging with life that no, way. No, not at all. It's just a way of cutting off, and it's it it suits a mentality that just for a period just wants to to cut off from those feelings they've tried lots of things and they've just got to the point where they're just tired and they want this and they're attracted to this rebelliousness of it but yeah that's totally in a human world saying to someone that there is no problem because there's only this moment this is not if you're saying that in the human reality you're misunderstanding what's being talked about because in the human reality in relationships it appears as if we're doers and that's how our language is set up. So we have to communicate on that level. And I'm, and it does, but hopefully this subject makes you question, though, the doership and the blame that we have for others, because it's nobody's fault, really, deep down. But And we often get lost in those blaming arguments. But certainly to argue... So when you're having an argument with your lover and use non-duality, this is totally got nothing to do with non-duality. It's just about winning the argument. Yeah. N- non-duality guess, doesn't need to be used in an argument. 
No, I think that I, I almost think to speak about it sort of is just going to confuse you and mess you up. Um, to use it in any way in conversation other than addressing the subject itself, it just seems, come on, you're you're hurt or you're this, or you just just be yeah, just be what you be what the human is having. Yeah, totally. Um, and it made me, it pushed me into gestalt therapy, um, the, the, the whole kind of whole Tony Parsons experience. And it also pushed me towards, um, well, in America, people are much more assertive. And so if they want something, they'll let you know a lot of the time. It's complicated. New York is different and, and what have you. But it, I, I involve myself in much more conflicts now in the workplace because I used to just think I was spiritual and everything was going to be blissful and, if, and desire wasn't really important. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I came from a sort of TM background, which is kind of very bland in a way. Yeah. Transcendental meditation. Um, it, it kind of dissipates sensation in the body as much as possible, so that you're not you're not phased by everything. But you also don't have a very strong connection with that many things in the world, yeah. which is kind of it sounds sounds spiritual and good, but it's I found it more truthful to notice if you really want something and and it's your it's your it's possibility you can have it. To make it known or do something yeah. about it, or tell somebody that they're yeah. wrong. Yeah. And these things. Yeah, I, do, I I really agree that the human has to be the human, and the human is never going to escape the dynamic of the movement towards pleasure and the movement towards pain. No matter how enlightened it is, it would be dead if it stopped that dynamic. It would it it wouldn't be alive. This body's always going to have that movement towards that which it finds pleasurable, and each body will have its particular things that it finds pleasurable or it wants. Um, and I used to find the same with Buddhism as well. It was about cutting off from wants and desires. And I don't think it's about cutting off from the wants or the desires or being human or having emotions. I think it's that one that attaches itself to them because ultimately they're not going to bring you happiness or contentment. Contentment is what's happening. But that doesn't mean you don't do them. The body has the movement towards them. But they're never going to give you that, that what you're looking for, that true essence is always present. I mean, basically, it's the same, same, but different, this pleasure or that pleasure. But that doesn't mean that you don't be fully human and fully express that. Mm -hmm. And with Tony, what I like about Tony, I'm going to, like, um, is that Tony, he does, what I like about him is he does speak about being fully human. He does have this thing about fully, in one way there's the, there is no person, but in another way he has this whole thing about if you ask him what goes, he's like nothing goes, anger arises or annoyance arises or like he's, there's not an attempt to be spiritual there. There's not an attempt to be the spiritual person, like what he said about the lawyer and the if you want to improve your life, get a lawyer, get a lover. But a then lover, you... a lawyer, a lover, a therapist, and then a lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> he said it like spontaneously, it wasn't like his thing, you know. But that's so funny. You see, I love. That's what I really like about Tony is that he, in one way, his expression is very human. Like he's he makes funny fun about humans and the way we are. Yeah. It's curious that in his meetings he doesn't steer things towards discomfort those i've been to some sessions of people in new york and they're all about addressing the things which are really uncomfortable so like if you're if, if you ask somebody how they are and they say something vague 
let, let's say that person is feeling acutely jealous and isolated at that moment. It's more interesting for them to talk about that than the fact that it was difficult to get there or something like that. And so they'll steer things towards the most uncomfortable thing in each person. It can be quite sort of traumatic and, for an English person, excruciating. But it was... I sort of expect Tony to do that more because, it's, in a way, there's not that much sensation in the room. There's not... People's, people's realities are not encouraged to, to come out. You know what I mean? People's, people's feelings. It's quite, it's quite English and sort of polite. The whole yeah. Thing. yeah, it is polite. The, but I think that all speakers do different things. And what I think is really beautiful about Tony is when he speaks, there's just such a, a joy there. And I think yeah. that a lot of people, when they go to Tony's meetings, what they're doing is they're resonating with that energy which has its place. I think that's really got a really beautiful part to it. This Yours is quite similar, I'd say. Yeah? It's very, it's not similar as well, but... There's this like yeah, childlike yeah. innocence that you resonate with Tony, like the way that he just comes out with the, those sentences so spontaneously. Yeah. And I think that the audience is resonating to an extent with that. And that's what people are getting from it. And it would be totally different if he then went into people's discomforts <laughs> or yeah. did anything. But he does sometimes, by the way, that he um, he can be so harsh sometimes, like uh, with people. Mm. Not so often. I have a different angle question, if I may. Yeah. So when when people watch, I'm sure you've seen a movie like Gattaca or Blade Runner or Ex Machina, these yeah. kind of android and there's, there's a strange empathy for a robot that realizes, is starting to realize that it's a robot or it's dying or it's programmed to die, like in Blade Runner. Um, is that how you see other people now? Everyone is, there's no one in there, so it really is just a biological robot. And, and when you see someone getting that they're just a robot and there isn't any decision making going on, it's just machine learning. Um, I only see them like yeah. that. Yeah, no, I only see them like that if I think about it. Actually, the most of the time, right. the way I think about them is it is is by not thinking about them. It's like that. It's it's just a total intimacy with the sensation of it, and then the thinking comes and goes. The thinking comes in like on top of that. That might, but I don't think I would think about it very often. That even when I'm talking with someone, I wouldn't think. Oh, they just wouldn't think about non-duality. But the only person there's ever been in the world, in your experience as Lisa, or as, as, a, as a conscious entity, whatever that is, is Lisa. All, the other, all there is is bodies and Lisa. From my experience? So, yeah, there was, a, there was a time when you imagined there were other personalities, but now you can see there never were any. Yeah, but in the moment, so in my everyday living, I don't think about that at all. So I have an experience that's even more intimate than... Um, the the that idea in the sense that it's totally sensation so therefore I, can't, I don't even know that I'm Lisa looking at the person and that they're a body in a way they're no different from a shelf or the machine if they're typing yeah. I was just thinking about going to the supermarket like they're I can't I, and, and thoughts are appearing but even those thoughts can't really they might think about things, but normally when they're shopping, they're just thinking about shopping. But the experience is not non-duality in thought form, but in the experience, and that is a total involvement in what's happening. And in that, I can't 
feel Lisa at all, but everywhere, if you were to say it. I can't feel Lisa. I don't feel like Lisa. I feel like whatever is appearing in the most intimate form. And non-duality rarely comes up in my thoughts. Only yeah. when I'm talking, not even when I'm talking with you guys, but I rarely think about non-duality. I'm, if it's thinking, the thinkings are about which orange should I pick, even if that requires thinking, most probably doesn't. Or what aisle is grapefruit juice in. Yeah, it's just bits of helpful processing kind of yeah. going on. So it's more the times that I think about it is most probably when I'm speaking with people and you ask me questions about those robots. <laughs> okay. Sorry <laughs> to bring you into the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, you could say, like, sometimes I feel like I'm the biggest idiot there is alive because... Because it feels like you're drunk or you're stoned. You can't even remember who you are. And then somebody calls you or says something about you. And you're, you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I am human. <laughs> it doesn't even feel like I'm not human. It's just engrossed in everything that's happening. Okay. So it just doesn't have a person that's, that feels like it's in relationship with it. I felt quite jealous when I first came across you, but now, now talking to you, it, it, it changes. You, you, the jealousy disappears. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, I worked hard. I did all these practices. I'm just still a person. <laughs> but most of the time, I bet you're not throughout the day, actually. Right. I bet that you're totally engrossed in whatever you're doing and you can't even remember who you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still, yeah, I still... Um, I guess it feels like experiences coming from inside my body, for sure. Mm. And I'm definitely suffering. So in, in a way, the only difference between you and me is you say you're not suffering and I say I am. <laughs> That's what it seems like sometimes. Yeah. Um, I still experience pain. And, I know that. And I, know still, that like, I get the distinction. Yeah, and I, I still experience like difficult relationships or different difficult mm -hmm. circumstances or arguments or all those sorts of things. But I just, it just, it just can't really pull itself out from what's actually happening. And that is the suffering. It can't remove itself from what's actually happening. That's, and that's the suffering part, if we call it suffering such a dramatic name, that is that, that, that it could happen to someone. Yeah. That simply is. But, well, the jealousy's there. Jealousy is a very um, beautiful feeling if the jealousy arises. I still get jealousy. I like the sensation of jealousy. Mm. I wonder if your jealousy is bitter. It, it's all types of different things. I've experienced jealousy that's made me very sexual. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm trying to think like it can be jealousy if somebody's eating a really good piece of cake and then it's wanting the cake. But it doesn't normally come in the form of I want to hurt people anymore. Like, you know how when you feel jealous, you then have the, the sensation of that you want to hurt that which you're jealous of. It's the human dynamic often. Yeah, I guess for me, it's more that I, I work hard to get what they have. So if someone's a good pianist or a good, they've got a skill. And the, the more difficult skills to 
emulate are things like improvised comedy where it's all to do with being in the moment really so you're back to the square one it's like okay you want to be funny like this person yeah. first of all you if you try to do it it's not going to work yeah you have to let go um and see what arises uh, yeah. all the things that you, all the things that seem to be really valuable you actually can't get to by working hard in in, in the same sense as you can by like training to do a marathon or something yeah so it seems like your face changed then. You went a bit serious or a bit sort of bored or quiet or something. <laughs> um, I was thinking about what you were saying and I couldn't, the brain couldn't find a, a relationship with that and so then it was like... Disengaged a bit, yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you for speaking with me. Oh, it's really nice speaking with you, Bruce. <laughs> I guess I'll see you next time. It feels like this is the end yeah. of the arc. Okay. See you next time. Thanks, Bruce. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, Lisa. Can you talk more about the intimacy with the sensations? Also, when you meet other people, you just talk with Bruce about it. Oh, you're so sweet, Andrew. You just reminded me on retreat every so often. When <laughs> when you'd ask me to repeat something and I failed, I couldn't remember what. Um, what we were talking about. So I like it that you just put, you just talked with Bruce about it. <laughs> yeah, the intimacy. The intimacy. <laughs> I remember this happening on retreat. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Andrea. I, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. It's just kept having a retreat. Hopefully next person will ask me about it and then the energy will come to it. Come to that. I think the funny thing is, is the reason why I'm struggling to answer the question is because of that intimacy. Because, yeah. Yes, like in the... I voted for the Green Party. This is Phyllis. Yeah, I just watched a lot of people saying that's what they were going to do. Hopefully there will be a bigger amount of people of the Green Party. They needed more people than the Green Party in India. I generally think I need more than 100 lives to fix myself. Do you think I have the privilege of it? You have eternity. You have eternity. You're eternity. Hey, Nick. Hey, David. Hi, Renate. Just come in just now. Forgot about your live stream. Listening to the comments on the outcome of American elections. Shame on me. Well, I mean, it, I mean we're all in shock. <laughs> we can't believe it that a TV star, although Reagan apparently was, um, or Reagan was apparently one. Hi, Beth. Hi, Lisa. This is Laurie. Hi, Laurie. I'm not in Wi-Fi, so I don't think it'll work if you call me, but I need more clarification about what I'm experiencing when the body is gone. What is that? Hi, Ethan. I like that name, Ethan. Okay, Laurie. Um, it's hard. It's hard to know. Um... 
But if we go from um, what you spoke about on retreat, Laurie, you are having the experience of the emptiness side of life, the backside. So you could say the butt, the behind of life. So you're having the experience of the emptiness. And so life is taking everything away and all that's left is pure being. That's you're, There is awakeness, but there is nothing that it's aware of. So there's no thinking, there's no idea, there's no sensation. It's just totally empty. And it's eternity because you can't even think about time. It's just present. There is just presence. But it's not, it's an experience because it's taken everything away. And the other side to life is the manifestation, which is love. And then eventually they both come together. And then one side of life is totally empty and there is nothing which is holding on to anything. And then the other side of life is totally full. Hmm. Ask on Skype. Can you respond? One time I was sick of thinking it actually got me into this. No, it's okay. Okay. Oh, Laurie, thank you, Laurie. Hi, how important or not do you think it is that the world is going to hell in a handcart? Hi, hey. <laughs> Everyone's asking political questions because of Trump getting in. Um, well, um, uh, to, to be honest, um, with you about the world going to hell. I mean, that's what we're told by the news and the media and by TV. And who actually believes that stuff? I mean, have any of you ever met Donald Trump? Like, this is what's put on our TV. I'm such an extremist. Like, it's, this is what we're told. going to hell or not um we don't know i mean has anyone ever even walked around the planet and knows that we're actually on a globe floating through space i mean it's kind of a bizarre idea let alone about global warming and all these other things but having said that um can I, you're on skype ethan can you add me on skype oh Hey, Ethan. Oh, hey, there you are. Hey. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, and you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just wondering about... Uh, I mean, I thought the world was going to hell in a handcart before Trump, and I don't think it's going to make that much difference. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about with Trump, I mean, I don't really know that much about it, but it might... It might... Um, it might really change things, not because he's a great leader, but because it's such a dramatic thing that yeah. Donald Trump is our new president. This is so dramatic. Not our new, your new president. This is so dramatic. I'm actually pretty excited about it. So, you're, sorry? I say, I mean, in a way, I'm excited about it because it'll... It's going to precipitate a lot of stuff happening. I yeah. don't know what, but people are going to have reactions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to certainly change things. But, um, yeah, it's really weird. He doesn't seem like the type of person that knows anything about politics. No. I don't think he knows much about anything except for how to, um, you know, 
successfully cheat people and, you know, get what he wants on that level. Yeah. But, but I think that, I mean, the, uh, these are just like questions, but I am sort of curious. Um, cause I feel like there's like a wave of consciousness that's happening on the planet, but that you don't see much of it in the broad sweep of what you see, you know, in the major media and stuff like that. And even the alternative sources, like some of the spiritual sites, to me seem like they're really having a head in the clouds and they're all waiting for like the ETs to come down and save everybody or, you know, kind of, kind of that level. So I'm not sure. The only thing I really know to do is to try to live my life um, in the way that seems the most sensible. Yeah. And try to open my heart and try to stay uh, on track, you know, follow yeah. what's folding in front of me, you know. I think the biggest revolution of humans is to, um, is to wake up, like in, in the sense of the communication of this subject. Because this profoundly changes the mentality of the human. It's not about the person waking up. The person doesn't wake up. But the effect on the body-mind mechanism really, change, it really changes because it's no longer desperate to dominate everything because it doesn't see something in life as its completion. So therefore, it's happy to just take what it needs. It doesn't have to have everything because it doesn't have this sense of lack or this sense that life is going to destroy it at any moment. It still takes things, but it doesn't overly take. At the moment, most of the population is overly taking because they're afraid. Yeah. So I think that this is the biggest revolution there is, is communicating this subject. I used yeah. to think that it was about political activity or um, communicating um, to people how they should live their lives as in ethically live their lives but it doesn't work unless the mentality changes the political action won't work because that will become a new um, completion for people um, when I worked in um, the middle well I don't know if it's quite classified as the Middle East but when I worked in the West Bank in Palestine I began to realize that some of the peace activists were some of the most angry and <laughs> like <laughs> hateful people I'd ever met before and they were protesting for peace and I just came to the conclusion that this isn't the way either because they were they were fighting they weren't really fighting for the Palestinians they were fighting for their sense of injustice that they'd experienced as a kid and therefore it made them so angry they were like they were seeing in the Palestinian kids or in the Palestinian families their injustices that they'd experienced, their traumas that they'd experienced, and that's what they were fighting for. And in a way, it was it like I could see such hatred in their eyes for the other person because they saw that other person as doing those things to them. And yeah. this is no way for peace. Yeah. See? Yeah, yeah. I liked what you were saying a few minutes ago about um, experiencing the sensations and the emotional yeah. part because uh, are you familiar with something called the Sedona method no but I've heard people talk about it before but no I'm not I don't know anything about it I, I'm not that crazy about it anymore because it is like a very structured approach to consciousness but taking from the like the essence of that is to keep returning to experience it and getting into a place of neutrality about it and the big trick is that like when your response is, no, I don't want this experience, and you align yourself with the no, and you go, oh, good, there's a no. 
you know, and then you're riding the horse in the direction that it's going. Yeah, yeah. No, and this is totally, I'm not, I've never been into, and I'm not into trying to replace your thoughts or feelings. I feel, and the way that um, I really changed as a person, not the waking up, but the way I really changed was being honest with myself. And when I was honest with myself about what I was feeling and what I was doing, the thoughts and the sensations quickly passed through. When I was lying to myself, this was when I got into hours and hours of like arguments with people in my head and thinking and overthinking and worrying. When I was just honest that I feel afraid now or I feel vulnerable now or I feel like no one's going to like me or, or I want to manipulate and dominate them, whatever the situation was, then, then it, 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 it in a way took away this level of fighting it. And it allowed the expression to come out. But that took me years with also listening to non-duality to, to almost, it wasn't forgive myself, but almost to, to understand that I wasn't the doer and that these bodies, when they become separate, they have bizarre ideas and they basically, they, they're always trying to look for their piece of cake and dominate. So it was like, it took a while for me to accept some of my base feelings. For a long time, I didn't want to accept what I felt. I wanted to be peaceful or I wanted to be nice. And sometimes I really wasn't as a real asshole. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think I've been stuck in that for quite a while. But but I do find that um, a lot of my um, approach is to be aware of whatever I'm feeling and try not to suppress it or change yeah. it. Yeah. And even with that, I find it very difficult to let them just go through sometimes I can do like that like the other day I had a great um not finding the doer thing that lasted for about a day where I was really like ooh, there's really nobody here you know isn't this delightful and it was so freeing and stuff you know and um but then it closes in again and uh you know I get I get pissed off and I get hurt and I get yeah, da, 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 da. and I, like mentally I'm okay with that but it's very difficult to still allow that energy to keep flowing until it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's the feeling parts is the difficult part. Yeah, for sure. The energy would rather be back in the no doish um, dynamic that that bliss that it gets from the realization there's no doer. And then suddenly life changes and the feelings change and the person wants to push it out, wants to push it out. And it might even allow it for five minutes, but then again, it wants to push it out. Right. And it feels like, uh, you know, the big thing I'm trying to uh, be aware of these days is the contraction, like the <clears throat> trying to create a self versus the not trying to create a self, you know. And this seems to be, oh, that's very persistent. And so I've been seeing if I can just be gentle with that and see if it wants to, yeah. you know, dissolve a little bit. Yeah. And it's a, it, it, it sounds like a really beautiful exploration because we, we get into this idea that the concepts or the ideas will change things, but it's really about the experience, like going back to the experience and the exploration. And it's ultimately not you that does it. There's not somebody right. there that does it, but it's something that seems to happen with waking up is there's an exploration into what the actual experience is. And it's not always the most comfiest of rides, but it certainly is a ride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> drug free. Yeah. <laughs> um.
So thanks, guys. I shall see you on Sunday at 6 p.m. Thanks. Bye.